The psalm that we read, Psalm 46, I think comes from a really powerful and beautiful perspective of faith in who God is and what God is able to do. As I read through the passage this week, um, a ton of times, um, trying to prepare and think about this morning and uh, what we were going to do in the direction that we were headed this morning, uh, I think one of the most powerful pieces for me is that as the psalmist writes uh, this passage, um, it doesn't come from a perspective of of ignorance or some kind of oblivion. There, there are no rose-colored glasses going on. The psalmist doesn't write as one who is unaware that life is hard. Sometimes I think that as we talk about God, as we talk about faith, we have this tendency to talk as if everything is wonderful, believing that that's the only way that we can convince people of the love of God, of the goodness of God. And I'm really amazed and thankful that Psalm 46 doesn't come from that kind of perspective. There is no need to convince the reader that God is good by saying that everything is great. Instead, the psalmist actually comes from the perspective of uh, of saying from the very beginning that life has and will have troubles. The very first verse says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. As the psalm continues, it speaks to the realities of of earthquakes and wars and chaos and destruction. And as I mentioned a moment ago, we think about all of that and the reality of that going on right now. Just this week, we've seen news of earthquakes. Just this week, we've seen news of chaos. Just this week, we've seen news of wars and fear of wars. We've seen just this week destruction in lives and families in countries. All across the world, we've seen that these things are true. And what we can count on as we read this passage is that as the people of God, now and then, the people of God knew what it meant to suffer. The people of God had experienced pain and difficulty. They knew what that meant and what that looked like. And a key element of this, of this testimony, of this writing that comes from the psalmist... Was that even in these troubles, it was there that the presence of God was most valuable. It was as the people of God experienced pain and chaos and earthquakes and wars and devastation. It was there that they experienced the presence of God in the most powerful ways. One commentator says this, as they experience God's presence, especially when they go through a period filled with anguish and distress. I feel like times of difficulty in our life give us an opportunity to fall one of two ways. These times of difficulty either are uh, moments that build our faith in incredible ways. They give us new faith in who God is and what God is doing. They, They bring new strength to our faith. Or they become some of the easiest moments to pull us away from who God is and the faith that we have claimed. And I feel like we have this tendency to fall one way or the other as we wrestle with some of the most difficult realities of our life. 
And, and there's more to it than this, but this morning as we talk about this idea, I think that it's important for us to understand that, that a major differentiator in which way we fall in this is if we can orient our lives around the instruction that we find in the only time that God speaks in Psalm 46. So throughout the entire thing, there's only this one section in which God speaks, and it comes towards the very end. At the very end of this testimony, God is quoted, and this is what the psalmist says that God said. The very beginning of it says, Be still and know that I am God. It's in our willingness to be still in the presence of God, especially in the midst of our suffering. That we come to know who God is. It's in our willingness to stop that we get to see the goodness of God. The protection of God, the presence of God. It's in the stopping, even in pain, that we can find that a good God is working to redeem all things. And it can be hard for us to remember that, can't it? Difficult for us to find ourselves there, to find that place of stopping. So this morning, as we talk about this idea of reorientation, the series that we're on and we're we're starting the year talking about reorientation and how we reorient our life in a way towards following after Jesus. Talking about some habits and some specific areas of life that we need to think about. And this morning, as we talk about reorienting our life, we're going to talk especially about the idea of reorienting our time. So that we're focused completely on Jesus. And I think that we find that it's invaluable for us to be still in difficult times. As we deal with difficulty in our own life in specific ways or in general throughout the world, it's, it's imperative that the people of God find ways to be still and know and trust God. But I think that we can find the ability to do that, and we only find the ability to do that, if we prepare for it when things aren't so hard. If we prepare for the reality of being still, for meeting God and for knowing God no matter our circumstances. If we're willing to do that when things are good or when things just just are. They're not really good. They're not really bad. They they just are. We prepare for these times of suffering in, in in the mundane, in the normal. In building in habits and practices in our life that bring us to a place of being still. Of remembering that God is God. Of knowing that God is God and God is moving and God is stirring in mighty ways. Last week as we talked about reorientation of our money, we talked about the habit of tithing. This week as we talk about the idea of reorienting our time, I'm actually going to talk about two habits. I was going to talk about one. I decided, no, I want to talk about two different ones. So we're going to talk about a daily habit, a daily habit of spending time in the presence of God and a weekly habit of Sabbath. Both of these are about reorienting our schedules, about reimagining the way that we use our time so that our time is focused on Jesus and nothing else. So as we start, we're going to talk about Sabbath because we've talked about Sabbath before, haven't we? Yeah, 
<laughs> Many of you don't like when we begin the conversations about Sabbath. I'm not positive I understand fully why, but I know there are lots of reasons why and lots of things that go on with that. But we've talked about Sabbath before. So we're going to start there again because we've got some understanding of where we're going, of what's happening with that. But just to make sure that we're all on the same page, I want to start with saying this is what I understand Sabbath to be. It comes from Pete Scazzaro's writings uh, in The Emotionally Healthy Leader. He defines Sabbath this way, and I think it's an incredible definition of what Sabbath is so that we can all be in the same place and start at the same place. Biblical Sabbath, he says, is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work. So four elements, he says, are a part of it. We stop work. We enjoy rest. We practice delight. And we contemplate God. Sabbath is more than just a day off of work. Sabbath is more than a day filled with church activities. So that we're just as busy as we are the rest of the week. However, on Sabbath, it's all about church activities. Sabbath is supposed to be more than that. Sabbath is an intentional time in which we remember that we were created in the image of God. And yet we are not God. So because we've been created in the image of God, we find time to stop, just as God did in the creating of the universe. But because we're not God, and because we're limited, that we need time to, to rest in order to fully function in the ways in which we were created to function. This, this practice of Sabbath, this weekly stopping for 24 hours, restores us and reminds us that we exist in the place of being created. And it restores God to the place of creator. It puts everything where it is supposed to be. And it's vital for you and I orienting our life in a way in which we're fully submitted to the Savior. I think that Scazzaro nails it on the head when he says, Sabbath is a core discipline for spiritual formation. That is just as important as prayer, Bible study, worship, and giving. It'd be fun to stop for a minute and just have a conversation. And to say, what do you think about that quote? Because he calls it a core discipline for spiritual formation. And I would agree with the truth of that, with the, with the wisdom in that statement. And yet it seems that, that many of us... Treat Sabbath as little more than a throwaway biblical suggestion. Something that we can do if we find extra time in our schedule or if we are uh, fascinated or interested in the idea once in a while. But more often than not, I think that we tend to look at it in the way that it's an outdated practice that no longer requires any attention of us. That it's a privilege that only a few people get to experience. Or even, some of us I think would go far enough to say that Sabbath is just laziness that should be replaced with working harder. It's interesting that as I thought about this and I read through it this week, I thought, wow, it's fascinating how similar our thoughts on Sabbath are alongside our thoughts on tithing, which we talked about last week. Multitude of arguments that we have in the church for why it doesn't actually need to exist anymore or be a part of what we're doing. And it doesn't matter if you use one of these arguments or you have some other argument for why we, we overlook the value or the necessity of Sabbath. 
What I think is true is that when we do so, we are choosing to ignore one of the most significant spiritual practices. We're choosing to ignore one of the most significant times in which God uses to form us. And when God shows us who God is, when God reveals to us who God fully is. So whether we could use the scriptures to make an argument for it existing or whether we would decide that it's an outdated practice, no matter what it is that we want to do, if it's true that it's one of the most significant experiences that God uses to form us and to show us who God is, then it brings me to the place of asking this question. As women and men who desire to follow after Jesus, why in the world would we want to get rid of this beautiful opportunity for us to spend 24 hours in the presence of God every week? So we don't have to have a, a logical, theological conversation about it or, or argument about it. Simply asking the question of if we desire to follow after Jesus, why would we throw away this opportunity to be formed so significantly? Why would we get rid of this opportunity to exist in the presence of God to fully understand and see who God is? At one point as I was Preparing for today and to talk about Sabbath and talk about this idea of being still, I thought, man, I'd, I'd really like to just sit and read through two chapters of Scazzaro's The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Like, that'd be all that we do is read through these two chapters of it because I think that his work does an incredible job of talking about Sabbath, of talking about time with God. There are these incredible writings that help us rethink these ideas in some beautiful ways. In his talk about Sabbath, at the beginning of the chapter, he talks about a conversation he was having having with a friend of his who's a psychologist. And as he was talking to this friend, he was talking about his, his own frustrations in how difficult it is to convince people, Christ followers, to convince Christians, especially leaders, to try and practice Sabbath. And he was voicing his frustration at how difficult it is, and he can't figure out why people won't listen, and he can't figure out why people fight with the idea. You might remember that, I don't even remember what it was, we did an entire series on Sabbath. And I, I quoted some from a guy named A.J. Saboda, and he talks about all of these controversial issues that he's preached in his church. And the one that got the most pushback was Sabbath. So not when he talked about taking care of the poor, not when he talked about refugees, not when he talked about immigration. It was talking about Sabbath that church people were most conflicted by. Scazzaro is talking about something similar and pushing on this. And his psychologist friend who he expects to have sympathy and, and empathize with him on where he is instead laughs. And he goes on to explain saying he must not have understood what I was talking about. And the, the psychologist Last again, he snickers and then he says this. He says, Christian leaders aren't any different than the international lawyers, CEOs, and marketplace leaders I see in my office every day. They can't stop. If they stop, they'll die. They're terrified. They're frightened to death of what they'll see inside themselves if they slow down. And you want them to immerse themselves in things like solitude, Sabbath, and silent reflection, he chuckled again. Do you have any idea how forward, how foreign this is for any leader, Christian or not? Something so much deeper is driving them. Friends. Our time is being driven by something. 
It may be fear. It may be ambition. Perhaps it's greed and the thought that if we just keep going, we can get more and more stuff. Maybe it's a concern of what other people will think of us if we take time to stop or be still, to, to practice Sabbath or to slow down, to rewire our entire schedule. But, but our time, our schedule is being driven by, by something. Our decisions of how we'll spend our week or our day, our hours or our minutes, our decisions on how we will do that do not happen arbitrarily. They're driven by some motivating factor, whether we know what that factor is or not. And I'd be willing to submit to you that factor is, I mean, I I try to be really careful with saying the word never. So let me say almost never. Almost never external. Because there's some of us that want to say, well, you don't understand my schedule, you don't understand my kids, you don't understand my life, you don't understand my boss, you don't understand my job. I'm willing to say almost always, if not always, there is some internal motivation that is causing us to respond and to think about this the way that we do. I believe that this is the reality. Something is Lord of our time. Something is. And I may not be able to identify for each of us or all of us exactly what that is, but something is Lord of our time. And when we practice Sabbath, it it forces us, it allows us to reorient our time so that Jesus and only Jesus is Lord of our time. It gives us this opportunity to reorient 24 hours and actually our entire week around the idea that Jesus is Lord and nothing else. It gives us this opportunity to do what Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. And I think it's necessary, necessary for us to come to a place, for us to find the ability and to establish a Jesus-centered rhythm and orientation of our time in our life. And then if we do that, if, if we allow Sabbath to become this kind of thing, if we, if we practice Sabbath in a way that makes it more than just a day off of work, but instead a time to focus deeply on Jesus and who Jesus is, to reorient, reorient our time, our life, our schedule, our week around Jesus, that I think what comes true in us is that we have a longing for more than just that 24 hours in the presence of God. More than just that 24 hours with Jesus. But we begin to long and to stir for something deeper and something bigger. You see, we were created to exist in a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. And relationship comes from regular and intentional time together. Sabbath is a core spiritual practice for our formation, for our transformation, for us becoming who we've been called to be. But we also need in our life daily times in which we practice what Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. And there's a lot of us familiar with the, the concept that we, that we traditionally call a quiet time. And, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that terminology But I've come to believe that there's some baggage around just talking about a quiet time that isn't helpful for all of us. 
I think there's some baggage of expectations and what that means that a quiet time is supposed to have and a formula that's supposed to follow and exactly what we have to do and when we have to do it and, and the precise rhythms of exactly how that takes place that isn't necessarily beneficial for all of us. So what I think has to happen is that, that perhaps, and, and again, use quiet time, talk about quiet time if you want, but bigger than that, the idea that you and I think about an intentional, regular time with God each and every day. And some of us would say, well, isn't that what a quiet time is? Sure it is. But there's some baggage that comes around that. And my hope is if we could talk about it in a freer, in a looser way, that there can be some freedom for us to figure out what it is that needs to exist in that time that may be unique to us or special to us or different for us than it is for other people in our household or other people in our church or other people in our life. Does that make sense? You understand where I'm going? Everybody still here? Is anybody still awake? I got a couple laughs, so at least one or two of you are still awake. I think as we pursue this time with God, it's important that for all of us, it include time with scripture and time in prayer and time in silence. But the ways in which we use these elements and other elements that may come in and out of this practice will vary for each of us. It'll look different for each of us. It'll look different in different seasons. It'll look different in different times of our life. And I don't think our concept or our teaching of quiet time always allowed that same freedom. I don't, know, I don't know if you agree with me, but that's always been my struggle with the idea. It didn't allow the same kind of freedom. And yet, think about the idea of spending time with Jesus. Think about a relationship with Jesus the same way that you think about a relationship with your friends. All right, you got some friends in your mind? I'm going to make this a little more interactive just to keep you awake. You got some friends in your mind? This means yes. Do you spend... The same time with all of them in exactly the same way every time you're together. My guess is no. We don't look at every single friend and think every single interaction, every single opportunity, every single time we're together has to look exactly the same. Now just think about one friend. Maybe your closest friend. Even with them, is every single time together exactly the same? Every single conversation exactly the same? And yet somehow as we talk about quiet time, it seems to me that we've spun the idea that when we spend time with Jesus, it ought to look exactly the same every day for every single person. And yet none of us do any of our relationships that way. Conversations change. Time together changes. Times are varied. Conversations include different things depending on what's going on. Interactions change based on a multitude of factors. And I think it's okay that the same thing is true with Jesus. What's necessary, whether it's in human relationships or in our relationship with Jesus, is that we have intentional and regular time together. And especially as we think about this with Jesus, we're thinking about a reorientation of our time. And that means that we have to be faithful in committing ourselves to regular and intentional times in the presence of Jesus if if we're going to ever get there. And that means that each of us commit ourselves to specific times. Now, sure, it may change day to day, but that we find times and we set it aside. Maybe for you it's morning. Because early in the morning, before busyness starts in your house, is the best opportunity for you to be alone with Jesus. Maybe it's at the end of the day. After the noise of the day has faded away. Or maybe it's both. Maybe you can't find what you want in just one or the other. So you you find some time in both. Maybe it's your lunch break. 
And you decide that, that your lunch time is now going to be a lunch that you have with Jesus. And you imagine what it's like to sit and interact with Jesus over lunch. Maybe it's a daily walk that you take. And, and maybe that walk needs to become about more than listening to podcasts or talking on the phone to whoever you can find time to talk to. But instead that you take a walk with Jesus. Maybe it's about going to the gym and you decide that your workout time is going to be you and Jesus in interaction together. You and Jesus having this opportunity, this set a long time that you're going to go and you're going to be partners at the gym because that's the best time for you to be alone with Jesus. I think in different seasons and on different days, these things will change and they'll vary. Just as my schedule does every day and every week, just as my interactions do, they change. So there's freedom in how this happens and when it happens. The important thing is that we do it. That we just start the practice of intentional time with Jesus each day. And that we stay faithful as we do it. So let me give you a couple warnings. And warnings seems like a really, really hard word. A heavy word. But I think we have to be prepared for some realities that are going to come up if we actually try and pursue these habits. If we try and pursue the habit of Sabbath or we try and pursue the habit of of spending daily time alone with Jesus, I think we need to know that there are some things that are going to be a part of this. First, we're not always going to love it. It is not going to be the most significant part of our day every day. There are going to be some days that we feel like we're just going through the motions. That we're doing this unnecessary routine and we begin to wonder, should we actually do this? Why does this matter? Is this that important? And some of us at that point begin to just throw it away because we weren't, we weren't blown away each and every day that we spent time with Jesus. But again, if we think about our relationship with Jesus like we think about our other friendships, are any of our friendships that way? How rare is it that we have someone in our life that every single time we are with them, we are absolutely blown away? Believe it or not, not every conversation Callie and I have is earth-shattering. I know that's hard to believe, but not everyone is earth-shattering. And yes, she read that sentence before I said it to you. I didn't, I didn't just say that here. They're not all earth-shattering. Sometimes we're just talking about who's going to pick up the kids, or what do we have to do to clean the house, or what's on the schedule this week. They're not earth-shattering. They're just life together. Because this is what it means to be in relationship with someone. And the same is true sometimes of what it means for us to be with Jesus. The important thing for you and for me, if we're trying to reorient our time, reorient our life around the Lordship of Jesus, is that we keep showing up. That we keep creating intentional and regular space for Jesus. Reality is, Sabbath is hard sometimes. If you start the practice of Sabbath, I can absolutely guarantee you it will start really, really, really hard. And then it'll get really good. And then it'll get really hard again. And then you might forget that you're doing it. And there's these constant interactions of needing to come back to a place of intentionality. Even daily times alone with Jesus. Walk through these rhythms of sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. And sometimes they're hard and sometimes they just are. But the call for us is that we keep showing up. A second warning, a second thing that I want us to be aware of is that a multitude of things will fight against us creating this time alone with Jesus. Whether it's daily or whether it's the idea of Sabbath, there are going to be times that we're sleepy. 
There are going to be times that we're just busy and we can't figure out how to pull it off or work it out. There are going to be times that there's an emergency that comes up and we can't figure out how to, how to make it make sense or to schedule it in. There's going to be times that we just forget. And yes, there are going to be external pressures that fight against us having time alone with Jesus. There are going to be external pressures that fight against us having Sabbath or taking the idea of Sabbath. And when we forget or when we overlook it or when something pushes against it and we miss it or we skip it, I want you to know that it's, it's normal. So have some grace on yourself. And then try and grab back hold of this habit of this practice. Try, try to capture it and choose it again and push back in this way. Remembering that these, these habits of Sabbath and of daily time alone with Jesus are going to alter who or what is Lord of our time. And the reality is, the more and more that Jesus becomes Lord over any aspect of our life, other things that want to be Lord will fight back. The more Jesus becomes Lord of your time, the more your work is going to fight against it. The more Jesus becomes Lord of your time, the more your bank account is going to fight against it. The more that Jesus becomes Lord of your time, a multitude of things are going to fight against the idea of Jesus being Lord. Because nothing else in our life wants Jesus to be Lord of our time or Lord of our life. So the reality is that the more and more important the time becomes, the more and more important Sabbath comes or daily time with Jesus becomes, it seems like that's when it should be the easiest for us to stay faithful to it. It won't be. Because external pressures and external things will begin to push in and internal pressures and internal desires for other things to be Lord will begin to fight against the idea of Jesus being Lord and we will find ourselves in a battle. So we have to become more and more committed to this time as we continue to pursue it, as we continue to move into it. And I think it's even important that we find practices to protect this time with God. Maybe you need to set an alarm. An alarm goes off on my watch at 4 p.m. every Friday. Every Friday at 4 p.m., my watch tells me it's time to begin Sabbath. With the hope that for the next 24 hours, I'm deeply committed to it. But every Friday at 4 p.m., I have to be reminded because I am in the midst of something that has to stop so that I can transition into the place of Sabbath. Several alarms go off for me throughout the day. Reminding me to stop and reorient my life and my time around Jesus. And many days I ignore it and just move on. But on my best of days, and I don't see my best of days very often, but on my best of days I stop and I take moments to make sure that I am reorienting my life, my job, my responsibilities, my day, my time around Jesus and Jesus only. Maybe what you need to do in order to protect this practice is to put your Bible right beside your bed. So that every time you get out of bed, you, you step on it and go, oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do first. In a book called The Common Rule, Justin Early encourages the idea that we make sure we have scripture time before phone time. Because phone is an incredible distraction for us. So he says, don't even touch your phone until you've spent time in the scripture. And maybe that's a practice that you could get into in order to make sure that you've protected it. But we have to protect these times or they will be taken away from us. They will be stolen from us or we'll simply overlook them and forget them. Last week as we talked about these ideas of what we were doing and, and, and who was going to be Lord and what it looked like for us to move towards a reorientation. I talked about the idea that a core belief for us in our Christianity should be that life with Jesus 
Here, now, and forevermore is better than life without Jesus. Friends, in order for us to actually believe that that is true, it demands that we actually spend time with Jesus. Otherwise, it's just a bumper sticker. It's just a bumper sticker that says, hey, I love Jesus. I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't spend any time with Jesus, but I, but I love Jesus. I show up at church once in a week. Surely two hours a week is enough for Jesus to be Lord of my life, right? No, absolutely not. But if we're going to actually live into this idea that life with Jesus is far better than life without Jesus, it means that we have to spend time with Jesus. Psalm 46.10 says what? It says, be still. And know that I am God. In order for you and me to pursue a deep reorientation of our time, we do so through the practice of Sabbath and through daily time with Jesus. Friends, Jesus wants to be with us. Not someday when we die. Yes, someday when we die. But also right now in our daily living Jesus wants to spend time with me. Jesus wants to spend time with you. And our life will be changed if we're willing to spend these times together. Let me say one last thing, just to make sure that we understand this as we, as we transition out, because I'm way longer than I intended to be. As we talk about Sabbath, as we talk about the practice of daily time with Jesus, I think that we can end up in this space of deciding that it's about legalism. It's about just the ritual and just the habit. But as I read through this passage over and over again, again this morning, and saw where Psalm 46, 11 says this, or 10 says this, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I think the important thing for us to grab hold of is not just the beginning, although the beginning is huge. Be still. Bring that back up for me, Jackson. It's about the desire. It's about understanding that, that the call is not stillness. The desire is not stillness. The desire from us is knowing that God is God. That God is in control. That God is powerful. That God is moving. That God cares. That God loves us deeply. That's what the desire is. That's the reason that we would have any interest in a reorientation. Is because we want to know and experience more of God. And if that is true of us, how do we get there? We get there through being still, through reorienting our life and making sure that Jesus is Lord of our time. It's about the desire, not about legalism. It's about the longing for Jesus, not about the ritual. The ritual, the habit, the practice allows us to come to the place of what it is that we desire, which is to come to know and love Jesus, to come to know and follow Jesus more and more fully. So what can you and I do to pursue these habits of reorienting our time towards Jesus in this new year? Pray with me, would you? Lord Jesus, I confess to you 
and to my church that too often I want you to be Lord without giving you any of my time. God, as we walk into a new year, as I walk into a new year, I ask that you would give me courage to give my time to you, to give my schedule to you, that you would give me willingness to reorient all that I do day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, all that I do to reorient it towards you and you alone being Lord of my life. God, would you help us find our way there? Through the practices, through the habits of Sabbath and of daily time alone with Jesus, would you help us reorient our time so that for the people of Valley, we know, we believe, we profess Jesus is Lord of all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.